Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Um, 
that way as well. Again, folks, www.m-tas.org. Again, that's www.m-tas.org. That's how you can find us online. Last week, folks, uh, we had a very, very engaging conversation. We asked the question of um, violence. We, we raised the question of violence, and we asked a uh, very important question, in my estimation, as to why does violence exist in certain black neighborhoods? That's what that's that's the question that we raised last week. Why does violence exist in certain um, black neighborhoods? And um, you know, as we talk about violence across the country, and as we talk about it, and the nation in particular has their eyes here on Chicago. Oftentimes, we never really ask that fundamental and that foundational question as to why does these occurrences um, exist to begin with. And, and and engaging some of my listeners, and also sharing and doing research prior to actually raising the question, we found out that um, there are some various views relative to why violence exists in many of these neighborhoods, in particular here in Chicago. Um, we, we also discovered that each city is a little different. Every, um, every city sort of have their own unique set of problems, although it might be violence, but the nature of the violence and the reason reasoning behind the violence might differ depending on where you are um, around the world and in this country. Uh, we, we discovered that some people look to poverty as being a rationale behind some of the violence. Some folks even look at um, the various lax, uh, what they would consider it, um, lax gun control laws and things of that nature. They might say that, hey, we need to close the different um the different gaps relative to and have some level of uniformity from state to state as it relates to how people are able to gain access to guns. So some folks may uh, be of that opinion. Other folks look to uh, past um, time of discrimination as it relates to uh, blacks having uh, being discriminated when it comes come down to housing, the job market, and things of that nature, and now that filtering over to this present-day generation in terms of opportunities being denied, opportunities being um, foregone, if you will. So there's various opinions, various views relative to violence. So um, sometimes the subject matter seems to be simple, but it's not always simple. And when you look to and when you listen to some of our callers, you'll see that um, many of them have, have various opinions relative to the subject matter. So, um as always, we always want to raise the question and always want to get your views as well because your opinions matter. Again, folks, 718-508-9533. Um, that is the number to call in to um, so that we can hear from you. Today, folks, we're going to raise a very, uh, have a very interesting conversation as well, and we're going to raise the question. We're going to raise the question today of what must the African-American community do to be saved, right? Sometimes those of you who have a religious persuasion, sometimes you hear that question posed in another frame of reference, but we're going to raise it from that standpoint. What must the African-American community do to be saved? Is business ownership and economic power the solution to stable families and the answer to violence? We asked the question last week, why? Why does violence exist? Today we're going to say, we're going to ask the question, what must we do to address some of these concerns? What must the African-American community do to be saved? Is business ownership and economic power the solution to stable families and the answer to violence? Earlier I pointed to, um, um, the, I made the point that uh, many people raise, and that is poverty. Poverty exists in many of these neighborhoods. Sometimes um, that might set up some level of hopelessness, some um, some sense of misdirection, if you will, and that may lead to violence. And when you think about that, also think about um, the economic situation. How to, how does that relate to stable families? If you don't have stable families, how can you have stable neighborhoods? How can you have stable communities? Oftentimes on the show we raise the we raise we we raise the issue about the importance of value system, the family structure, and we talk about 
70% of African-American children being born to single parents. Uh, but what caused that? Is it is it just the value system? Um, is it the economic uh, structure? Is it a lack of business ownership? And um, some folks will say that. Some folks have said that part of the uh, part of the rationale behind violence, some part of the rationale behind uh, unstable families within the African American community could be um, linked to the economic strength of the black family, the economic strength of the black community. But what are they suggesting when they actually make those claims? Actually, um, earlier this week, we had a very spirited conversation with some folks online, um, and a good friend of mine, she posted an article by those of you who might be familiar with Dr. Claude Anderson. He um, he wrote a book called Powernomics, I believe that's what the title is, Powernomics. And he raised different points in his book, but in, in his particular video that you can find on the MTAS page, you can also find it on my personal Facebook page, he makes a couple of claims here. He says that um, these conditions, the conditions that I refer to, conditions of incarceration, conditions of, of violence, um, and even um, the family situation in the black community, he said that these conditions, and I'm paraphrasing here so you can read into the video or read into his thesis, whatever you want to read into it, but here's what I gathered. He said that these conditions persist and will continue to persist in the black family and black community if blacks don't gain control of the economic of the economics and industries in their communities. Secondly, he says that after blacks gain control of the economics of their communities, similar to Asians and other minority groups, and some folks have issues with that that point, that direct point there, similar to Asians and other minority groups, they can control the politics and have their politicians advocate for public policies that's in their best interest. That's the second point that he raised, and he connects that to the economic strength and the economic power of the African-American community. The third thing he says here, thoroughly, you can use the economic strength of your community to control courts, police forces, and lastly, the money, use the money to buy media to communicate to your community and get your message out there. So when he looks at what's taking place in the um, African-American community, if you will, he makes a direct connection to the um, economic stability and the economic strength of um, of black people. But what say you? What say you? 718-508-9533, 718-508-9533. As, you, as we raise these questions today, folks, I want you to think very intently about some of the things that he says and he proposed. I want you to think about this. Does economics and group politics, how do you understand these ideas, and do others engage in this practice to further their interests? Let's try that one more time. Group economics and group politics. How do you understand these ideas and do others engage in this practice to further their interests? But before I want you to think about that, folks, but before I go to the phone lines, I read an article. I read an article. You know, I, I love sharing articles and information with you. Uh, I read an article earlier today in The Economist. It's actually a... Uh, not a recent article, but it's a fairly a fairly old article. I believe it was written back in 2008, entitled, and I posted it to my Facebook page, Nearer to Overcoming. And um, part of what this article points out is the alienation that exists in the African-American community relative to um, how we engage in politics, how we engage in economics, and this entire um, system. This particular subtitle, titled From Alienation to Despair. Here's one of the things that it raised in this particular article. It's actually a pretty lengthy article, so I'm not going to read it all. I'm only going to read a portion of it. It asks the question, is the state racist? Those who think so often point to the criminal justice system. A startling 11% of black males aged 20 to 34 are behind bars. Overall, 
black men are seven times more likely to be incarcerated than white men. Until recently, sentences for crack cocaine, who are mostly black, were much harsher than those for powder cocaine offenders, mostly white. Ex-convicts in several states are barred from voting, a penalty that deters no crime but signals to wrongdoers that they can never be full citizens again. We are becoming a nation of jailers and racist jailers at that, records of Glenn Lowry, an economist. This particular piece um, further states here, I thought, I thought this was interesting, not so, says Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute, a conservative think tank. Blacks are more likely to be jailed because they commit more crimes, she argues. In 2005, the black murder rate was seven times higher than that for whites and Latinos combined. I thought that was interesting. Harsh crack laws account only for a small percentage of the incarceration rate. In 2006, blacks were 37.5% of state prisoners, excluding drug offenders, and that figure drops to 37%. And since black criminals victims are mostly black, some argue that locking more of them up has saved many black lives. Mm. Um, this this article further states here, and I thought this was interesting, yet many blacks feel alienated in a way that is vastly disproportionate to real-life stimulus, frets Mr. McWhorter. When New Orleans flooded, some speculated that the government had blown up the levees. Even cooler heads believe that the bot's response stemmed from George Bush's Bush indifference to black suffering. Alienation has consequences amid the revolutionary fervor of the 1960s, says Mr. McWhorter. Many blacks learned that America's racism rendered it unworthy of any self-regarding black person's embrace and that, therefore, blacks were exempt from mainstream standards of conduct. The conventional wisdom about ghettos best expressed in William Julius Wilson's book, When Work Disappears, is that inner cities decay because factories moved out, but jobs often move only a couple of bus rides away, noting that millions of blacks move halfway across country to find work during the Great Migration in the early 20th century. Mr. McWhorter wonders why so many of their descendants have failed to follow suit. So what this gentleman is saying he he raised somewhat the opposite concern of Claude Anderson, who says that um, blacks, by and large, need to engage in group politics, group economics, and bring back industries and take con- the control of businesses within their neighborhood. This guy is saying that um, uh, a generation or two ago, blacks moved cross-country to move to jobs and find opportunities. So is the argument of... Um, Claude Anderson is legitimate. Here you have two two gentlemen on two um, opposite ends of the spectrum. But um, I want to find out from you. I want to find out from you what are your thoughts, views, and opinion relative to what's being raised today um, about what must the African American community do to be saved? Is business ownership and economic power the solution to? Stable families and the answer to violence. That is the question that's being raised today. Secondly, folks, before I go to the phone lines, I want you folks to consider, I want you folks to consider, even listening to the article, um, is group economics and group politics, how do you understand these ideas? And do others engage in this practice to further their interests? Something to think about. Do others engage in this particular practice? to further their interest. I'm going to go to the phone lines um, shortly here. I'm going to go to the phone lines shortly here. Um, as you guys pondered that particular question, I'm actually having some problems on the switchboard. So, folks, if you're out there, definitely press 1. We'll get you right in. I'm just going in and out of screens, and um, there might be a delay in getting you on, but we're definitely going to move you right into the conversation. Uh, we're talking business ownership. We're talking business ownership in the African-American community being a viable solution to what else um, um, the African-American community. I don't know. I don't know if that's what you folks, um, how you folks view 
business ownership and things of that nature, but I want to come to the phone lines now. Call I see you there. Are you there with me? Looks like we're still having problems with the phone line there, but we're going to get you right on as quickly as we possibly can. 718-508-9533. 718-508-9533 is the number to call. Folks, as we raise the question about business ownership in the African-American community, whether or not you see that as being the salvation that we're looking for. I posed a question earlier today, and um, uh, that question, and one young lady said that, um, the answer to um, this question is just trust God. I guess he's saying that situation is so bleak, situation is so um, disheartening, if you will, um, that the only thing we can do is, as Marvin Gaye said, make me want to holler um, the way they do my life, right? Just trust God. That was her, um, that was her answer. And then when this question was actually raised earlier this week as I engaged um, several um, folks in social media um, earlier this week, and I'm trying to actually find it here um, shortly here. And uh, one gentleman, he just flat out said that he felt as though um, Claude Anderson, his solution to what ails black folks, in particular when it comes down to business ownership, is, is flawed. It's completely flawed, and, um, and it's something that we should look at very suspiciously, that these are not the examples that other um, immigrant if you will, and I don't necessarily see black Americans as an immigrant group, but the, this is not something that is not the path of other identifiable groups. Um, that's not the path that they've taken. They did not necessarily propose to their community um, grand business ownership, if you will. Um, and I certainly understand that concern. I certainly understand that concern that it's um, educating yourself, becoming skillful, becoming informed, and making yourself um, an asset, an asset to the various employers that's out there. makes a whole lot of sense to me. However, also um, listening to the video and when he talks about incarceration, and we you know, we just read an article to talk about um, black males seven times more likely to be incarcerated than white males. It certainly make me um, ask the question whether or not business ownership is a viable option. And in particular, when you talk about um, young males that may have gotten themselves in some trouble, um, maybe it was youthful indiscretion, um, indiscretion. We all sometimes find ourselves involved in things of that nature, and now they're locked out of um, being able to vote, and oftentimes they're locked out of employment. So when you talk about that segment of the population, um, does... Claude Anderson's proposal by way of business ownership doesn't make sense. And when he talks about business ownership, what is he saying? Is he really just saying flat out we need to have um, 100% of us need to go out there and start our businesses and all of a sudden um, all is well, all is well in uh, black America? Or is he saying that because African American by and large, um, although we have consumer strength and consumer power, we have little to no economic power. Therefore, um, the, um, the black community, if you will, if you see it in that aspect, is easily able to um, get manipulated or um, be at a disadvantage when it comes to uh, what takes place in employment and also the criminal justice system. And when you look at the numbers, by and large, one must ask themselves if, in fact, business ownership could diminish what you see taking place among young males who tend to participate in this level of activity. So just something to think about, um, and that's something that I've been thinking about and engaged with all week, folks. But 718-508-9533, 718-508-9533 is the number to call. I'm going to go to the phone lines right now. I see um, a caller from 314. It looks like that is Andrew. Andrew, is that you, kind sir? Speaking, am I coming through pretty clear? You are coming through clear. Can, can you hear me? Because I know we were having some problems there earlier. Can you hear me? Yes. Fairly yes, well. I hear you well. I hear you well. Good man. Good man. Well, I see. Well, I'm, well, I'm glad you called. Um, I know you and I we've engaged 
um, this question for quite some time now, and I'm just going to put it out pretty, I'm just going to make it plain. What do you think, what do you see as being the salvation of the African-American community relative to um, having more stable families and also the answer to violence as it exists in some of the neighborhoods across um, Chicago and across the country? Do you see business ownership as a viable option relative to some of the proposals of um, Claude Anderson? Well, speaking specifically about Claude Anderson, I think what he's uh, uh, suggesting is flawed at best and a hustle at worst. When you talk about the African-American family or or the African-American community, first I'd like to clear up and say that there is no such thing as an African-American community. That is a hybrid type of of an existence. Mostly it will exist because it's forced to exist. But when you give people an opportunity, they filter out just like any other group will do when given an opportunity to follow their own desires and wishes. But if we want to just coalesce for the sake of conversation and say what will help a particular identifiable group when you can isolate them to some degree and look at the demographics and say that we are possibly underperforming and which we can do so academically and, and scientifically, things of that nature, the one thing that has universally, the one thing, again, I'll repeat it, the one thing that has universally helped any identifiable group or any people, the overwhelming majority of all circumstances is that these people improve their individual human capital. Those are all the assets. Those are the academics that they achieve, the skill sets that achieve, everything that arms them with the potential of being an asset, as you put it, and produce value for someone else, a business entity, things of that nature, those are the things that move people forward. If you try to look at some level of group dynamic, and particularly when you talk about African-American community, they use it as a euphemism as being a collective. When you try to use that type of philosophy, there has been nowhere in history where it has been successful, and I submit to you humbly that, For over 50 years, we've been hearing this same song and dance from so-called African-American leaders who talk about this group, this, let's coalesce that, coalesce with this or that, let's come together, let's do all of these things that you would hear in a a rhyme song for children to say that this is what we should do to try to achieve some level of success, and we cannot point to one iota of success on where it was successful for people in the African-American community. The only thing that is successful, and you do look at African-Americans, and you mentioned it, as a financial group, if we're going to coalesce us together, over 50% of African-Americans live in the financial middle class. African-Americans make money. There's no problem in understanding that. The data is easy to achieve. Now, we've discussed recently about the economics and say whether or not people are in an economic middle class or do they have the value systems of the middle class. That's another question. I won't go in depth on that, but African-Americans make money. Now, those other intangibles and tangibles, those intrinsics that, that, that exist, those cause people to underperform if they don't pull those in and make it part and parcel of who they are individually or anything else. But one thing, uh, one additive that I would like to add, uh, to add into this whole thing that I'm giving you now is that I'm talking about individuals, but that individual is also coupled with family. Because even though we hear the terms rugged individualism, America and American value systems are propagated through family. Through family, you see people move forward. And then if you want to try to recognize them as a demographic group, you will see that group move forward through that family dynamic of moving forward. But as far as coalescing, like a Claude Anderson tries to suggest with his uh, economic program, things of that nature, it doesn't exist. I challenge anyone who comes on the air to show me where it exists and where someone was successful because he gave examples of Jews, Asians, and he, if he doesn't know it, he should go back and recant everything that he says about those groups and apologize to black people because in none of those circumstances have Jews or Asians coalesced in a group with businesses and residential areas and things of that nature where they got better because of that type of tactic and strategy. It doesn't exist. He's making it up, and it gives black people false hopes 
where they can finally move on to something that really works, that is developing their human capital. And if they develop their human capital, it gives each and every one of us an opportunity to succeed, not a guarantee, but an opportunity to succeed, and that's all the world going to offer you anyway. So help me out here. So do I hear you saying that the reason why his theory or premise is flawed because this notion of we or the black community does not exist in the in the sense that he tries to put it forward? I'm saying it doesn't it doesn't work because it the the, the strategy the plan does not work for anyone not just African Americans no group employed that type of strategy to try to better their their uh, their plight in a country nowhere does that work the only thing that works again is each individual within a, and then within their families getting better by improving their values and improving their assets that's how people. And when you want to recognize them as a group, that's how they get better. Anything else fails, fails miserably. I follow seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Folks, today we're raising a very important question of what must the African American community do to be saved? Is business ownership and economic power the solution to stable families and the answer to violence? Caller six one seven, are you with me? Hey John, how you doing? Doing well, doing well, Solanda, doing well. So uh, I'm so glad to hear your hear your voice. Same here. Happy Sunday to you, and I hear a good friend Drew there. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. Same to you. Good stuff. What What are your thoughts about the questions being raised today, Solanda, relative to business ownership in the African American community? Is that the salvation that we're looking for? Could it help? <laughs> Um, honestly, I mean, and I'm sorry to laugh about it because it's, you know, every time you watch the news, um, you always hear something bad taking place. And then, you know, I can only imagine you have so many people trying to sit at the table and come up with solutions as to what's going to help, you know, people within the uh, African-American community, you know, do better. I mean, the sad thing is, is that, you know, there's a, there's always been opportunity there I, I just find it why why is it so difficult for people without and within our community, which you know uh, the things that are made available to us, why don't we push to take advantage of those opportunities? You know, I mean, you have financial aid to go to college. Um, if there's issues with um, unemployment, you have WIA funds, uh, which is the Workforce Investment Act fund set aside to help people get gather trades and get certificates or get degrees in certain trades or fields. You know, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there, but all I keep seeing is, you know, the gun violence on the street or if there aren't opportunities for a particular group of people. You know, I mean, I just, in, in my opinion, I just feel as though that the opportunities are there. People are just not as motivated to go and take it. You know, everybody wants to, you know, I heard you mention earlier about uh, somebody who said that, you know, well, we should just trust God. You know, yes, you can trust God, but at the same time, you know, faith without works is dead. You know, everybody has been given breath in their bodies to do things with the life that they have been given. You know, so you're not going to do your part in making a difference, which you're not responsible or obligated to do anything for anybody but yourself. But if you're going to do something, with the opportunity of life that you've been given, why not think of the benefits and hopes that are out there for us? Because I'm, you can't blame the white man and say, you know, how they used to say back in the day that the white man, you know, has chained it down. That that that's that's over and done with. We've seen that song and dance. That horse has, you know, uh, uh, you know, drove on into the sunset. The question is, you know, in my opinion, you know, when we talk about black businesses, I mean. There's a lot of opportunity out there. I just feel as though people are not either driven or, you know, maybe they've lost hope. Uh, maybe they're not encouraged or empowered to take advantage of those opportunities. But what gets me is that when you have other ethnic groups that take advantage of those opportunities, we in the African-American community want to get upset because you have the Korean or the Asian beauty shops that come to the neighborhood and, you know, and pretty much there it is, it's to me, smart economics because, sorry to say, most African-Americans buy what? We. 
And any good business person would know that I'm going to go into the areas where I'm going to make my most profit. So, I mean, you know, I don't understand why we're not being as strategic or why we're not being uh, advantageous to the opportunities that are there. Uh, we, we can only blame ourselves for what we're not doing. So do you do you believe that if African Americans took um, advantage of some of the opportunities that was right in their backyard, um, that could perhaps um, diminish um, some of the violence that you see taking place among some of the youth population, and also make um, also add to the stability of the um, black family that some would say is um, non-existent today, and particularly the traditional um, in a traditional sense. You know, it's really funny. I think we chatted about this before. I think one of the problems that we have is the generation that we're dealing with is a very, uh, you know, uh, how can I put it? You know, those teenagers and, and a lot of those young people that had kids not that long ago, we're dealing with that generation, you know, where unfortunately, you know, the kids who may not have been, you know, having the, uh, you know, the two-parent household or the young girls who just kept getting pregnant and having kids, you know, well, one day people forgot that those kids were going to grow up and they were going to become some product of society. And unfortunately, because things weren't dealt with back then, now we're dealing with these issues now, careless and reckless behavior, uh, don't know how to deal with conflict, don't know how to come to resolution and, and how to deal with conflict. You know, th there are opportunities there. Public education is still free. You know, so what's the excuse about not going to school to get an education? What's the excuse about not college? So we got to go to the source of the problem. The source of the problem isn't the streets because the streets never did anything to anybody. The problem is the streets. I got you. Yeah, I got you. You're breaking up there, Solana. You're breaking up there. You might have to get to a better um, cell area. Uh, but I hear what you're saying. I appreciate what you're saying. But so stay with us, Angel. I want to bring you back in here on the discussion. I don't know if Solana gave us a direct answer, but I certainly heard what she gave us. Um, you know, we talked about Claude Anderson in the beginning. You you feel as though his his premise um, is is quite flawed. Um, but he talks about the level of incarceration, and he then he links that to um, business ownership. You don't necessarily make that connection relative to the level of crime um, that take place in these neighborhoods and black participation in business. You don't make that connection, huh? I, 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 can you hear me, John? I can. Okay, fantastic. I, I see very little correlation between the two. Because if you listen to what Shalanda was intimating and what you said in the, uh, relative to the articles that you just read about today, you're talking about business in a residential community. There are no business communities within residential communities that can sustain those residential communities. It doesn't happen. When you find business that are in residential areas, those are small mom-and-pop businesses. They employ only a few people, and most of the time those people are the relatives within those businesses. That's not enough to sustain a residential community. That's not enough to employ enough people to get people to deter from crime, things of that nature. And I thought it was very interesting what Shalanda brought up and I probably would have brought it up later, but I'm glad she brought it up because it shows a direct correlation about schooling and things of that nature that improves the human capital that I talked about earlier. If the people who are committing these crimes will not execute or go to school to learn the fundamentals, how can someone hire them? You must have some type of value to a business in, for, in order for them to hire you. They just don't hire you just because you are good-looking. They hire you because you're productive. And if these people who commit crimes, and I must say this, John, the people who commit crimes, I'm suggesting to you the overwhelming majority of them are going to commit crimes no matter what because they're criminals. And, again, they don't represent the whole in the so-called African-American communities that are close to them. Because the majority of people, unless we are saying that black folks have a natural affinity for criminality if they don't have jobs, and I don't believe it whatsoever because I think black folks are just as wholesome as any other group on the planet and have all the potentials and opportunities 
and presents the opportunity that all the others do as well. We look at a small group who commit crime, and we try to paint the picture like that is reflective of African Americans. Well, I humbly submit to you and anyone else, African Americans are just as wholesome as anyone else. They'll do what they have to do, and those who are criminals would have been criminals no matter what. They are not going to change, and, that's, and they are not going to school or, or, or gather any other types of stress or usefulness because they just don't have an affinity to do so personally. I follow you, and I hear exactly what you're saying. Uh, I, I think uh, in an earlier show, maybe several months back, we raised the um, question of, of, of uh, black males' reading scores by the time they hit the eighth grade, it being 50% of them are not reading at grade level by the time of graduation. You don't see failure in education and the failure of the school system potentially leading to some level of criminality. You believe that these individuals, apart from all the other system that could go into their um, individual enrichment, they would have become criminals anyway? I think the overwhelming majority of them would have because if you go back and trace what they were doing anyway, there was nothing that they were doing positive anyway. They weren't in school. They weren't doing things that was meaningful in the community, things of that nature. So if they don't have any any affinity towards doing things that will lead to productivity, the end result will be criminality or something negative. I follow you. Shalanda, if you're still with us, um, are you still with us? Yes, yes, I am. Great, great, great. Sounds like you're in a better area now. I'm listening to what um, Andrew has to say relative to um, irrespective of opportunities being uh, existing and existing in many of these neighborhoods. He feels as though some of these individuals would have turned to criminal activity uh, no matter what. What's your take on that? Do you think that um, education and job opportunities somewhat could curtail that level of behavior? Um, you know, at the end of the day, it, you always have a choice, you know, and I look at it no matter where you're from, you know, you decide what path you're going to take. Now, unfortunately, if, you know, if you're running around with a group of, you know, individuals who may not be aggressive in school and school may not be a priority, the likeliness of you getting in trouble is going to be greater, you know, and then unfortunately that's how so many young people end up in situations, you know, it's the good kids who were at the wrong, you know, what is it, uh, good kids that was at a, in a wrong situation at a bad time, you know. So, you know, young people, they have a lot of opportunities. It's just that, you know, unfortunately they get caught up into the fast money. Um, sometimes so their home life, unfortunately, they may not have, you know, uh, parents who really push education. Um, you know, I mean, think about it. You know, I look at a lot of our friends. You know, you may have a lot of those individuals who come from homes where mom, you know, uh, may have been on drugs. You know, daddy wasn't around, or they was raised by grandma. You know, and grandma's only, you know, responsibility was to try to help you, you know, just get to school. But if no one's encouraging you or pushing you, you know, and, and all you see is plight all the time. You know, I mean, and education isn't something that's being pushed. You know, you're going to have to have one hell of a drive to really push beyond that. And that's where I feel as though the human spirit, if you want something bad enough, you're going to get it. You know, not to say that the kid who may not, you know, have the greatest reading level may not be, you know, uh, a school genius or anything, but he may be good in other areas. You know, it doesn't always have to relate to criminal activity. But unfortunately, because every time you turn the news and what you see, you see us in the news. You always see us with the gun. You always see certain areas and young people. I mean, unfortunately, you just read read on the news over the weekend, young 11-year-old girl shot in, in, her, in the house, okay, straight bullet. Young people. You know, and, and, and it bothers me so because now it's a stigma, you know, that this is all young black folks do. This is not what, you know, black folks do. You know, it's an, it's an unfortunate thing that's taking place. You know, why it's happening, I mean, look, at, not saying that there's not opportunity. There is opportunity. You know, you just have, unfortunately, a lot of these kids have been brought up with some really wild value systems that, you know, doesn't follow what we would consider maybe the right path, and this is where these kids have been led to go. You know, fighting crime, their own crime and their own resolutions with guns. 
not talking, you know, not fist fighting like it was back in the day, you know, but now, you know, who has the power? Now they have to have guns to communicate, you know. So where, where does this behavior start at? Some of it starts at home. I mean, you I'll see some you of the postings. Yeah, and, and you see some of the postings. I mean, it was really sad. I saw a posting on Facebook uh, with a the kid couldn't have been no more than one year old, and somebody thought it was cute to post where this little one-year-old was telling his his mother, calling her a B-I-T-C-H and telling her to shut the F up. How This is a one-year-old, okay? So can you imagine if you have kids that are always around that type of value system where it's filled with profanity and negativity, where all they see is hustling, then why do you think that kid is going to grow up? And then if you get nah, not definitely. just one, you you have a lot of them growing up like that. What do you expect? Nah, they don't. Gotcha, they don't. Gotcha. They don't know what opportunity is because opportunity is not something that's preached at home. You know, being empowered and making good choices isn't something you know that's taught at home. You know, well, I'll tell so you this: it doesn't sound like you and Andrew are fans of um, um, Dr. Claude Anderson as it relates to his proposal nah. for. Um, business ownership in, in terms of it being the salvation for um, black families and the black community. Andrew, I want to I mean, bring because, you back because in you can't solve the problem. John, you can't solve it. Sorry to cut you off. You can't solve the problem by putting a Band-Aid. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. You know, a lot of it's just politics. We can talk to a blue in the face. The thing is, you've got to address the main issues. Where the issue started, it starts at home. You know, they used to always say, what was it, that, you know, um, uh, there was a saying about certain things start at home. It's true. <laughs> you can't expect the teachers in the Chicago public school system to raise kids. That's not their job. Yeah. Their job are educators. Interesting to hear you say that. If you think it's interesting to hear you say that it started at home and it's about family and it's about parenting, things of that nature. Part of his argument is that it started with the economics. If you don't control the economics, you can't control your home. And I believe that um, you and Andrew are totally opposed to that type of thinking and all those views. Andrew, I want to bring you back in here. Uh, do black people, Andrew, do black people have common interests and common concerns that ne- necessitate the practice of group politics and group economics? Are there any common black, interests and concerns that black that necessitate black people to behave in a certain way? Uh, the overwhelming majority of things that African Americans have now that are of an interest are the same interests that most people have. See, when 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 people are forced through laws, through pogroms like the Russians had for the Jews, things of that nature. When people are forced, they 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 adhere to unnatural coalition, unnatural unity. But when you give people an opportunity to freely pursue what they want to pursue, they move and get around people that have interests that, that are very similar. Now there are some separations of of some of the specifics, but most people will talk about educational pursuits. Most people will talk about nonviolence. Most people were talking about all the things that we will get around and we can hold hands and sing kumbaya about to say that we are in agreement about this. But at this particular point in time, since there are no real, overt, racist laws on the books, things of that nature, African Americans are left to their own devices. Now, what you have, and this is what I want to submit to you, if anyone else who's listening, and this is going in line with what you're questioning, is that you have the man-biting-dog scenario in Chicago with 84 people getting shot that one weekend. You have that plane crash when hundreds of thousands fly all the time without crashing, but the plane crashes and everyone says they're going to stop flying the plane. Certainly we can point and say that this is a travesty in a civilized nation that something like this would occur, but believe me, it is not an overwhelming problem for the overall society that we live in. Therefore, you will have people who would talk about it in, in lip service terms to say that's a travesty. They'll do philosophical talking uh, 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 references about it, but they're not going to do anything about it because most people's lives, uh, no matter if people want to recognize it or not, this is black, white, Asian, and, and Hispanic, and everyone, most people live a fairly decent life because 
the standards of living are there. And I'd like to just add this to what our conversation exists on today is the fact that, and it goes in face of what Claude Anderson is saying, and because you made reference to that again. We, our ancestors here in the United States, have gone through trial and tribulation in this country to get to where we are now. They face abject poverty. They face catastrophic and barbaric treatment, but they didn't commit crimes at the levels that crimes are being committed now that we like to discuss and talk about, even though it seems like it's a contradiction to what I said earlier, but it's still higher relative to those types of crimes and the viciousness of those crimes. And African Americans under those types of systems did not have businesses in their neighborhood. That's what Carter Anderson is talking about. They had nothing. The work hard, value, discipline, and things of that nature, what I just said earlier in the conversation, because the answer is not difficult. It's universal. It's used everywhere on the planet. You develop your human capital. That sets the course for your people to get better. That sets the course. And we keep trying to come up with complicated calculus for an answer. Or we use flawed systems for an answer where it hasn't worked in over 50 years. And, again, I challenge you or anyone else, give me an example where this type of phenomenal uh, uh, tactic that Carl Anderson is trying to put forth has worked. It, I'm telling you again, it doesn't work. The only thing that works is people being disciplined, trying to improve their lives by working harder, working smarter, taking care of their families, and not worrying about trivial things that takes your eye off the prize. You know we had the eye off the prize, uh, PBS special, but I'm saying the real eye off the prize is when you take your eye off the prize and listen to people like Claude Anderson, who I would say with that smoking gun will lead you astray and cause people to fail miserably and not give them a chance to prosper and prosper in this country because they won't develop the basic thing. And the last thing I like to say, again, the poor and criminals will always be amongst us in every group. I don't care where you are. The most affluent neighborhood on the planet, they got criminals there. They have people with criminal minds. You can't stop that. God gave people the Bible who believed, the Quran, the Torah, the Injil. They gave them all those books, and all of those books make reference to those same number of people will always be there. So if the word of the Almighty can't change these people from being thugs and criminals, I guarantee you Carl Anderson can't either. I follow you. So in your estimation, you don't necessarily um, see black people having additional interests or additional concerns um, uh, more so than any other group of people in this country. That's your position. No, because we're not superior than they are, and they are not superior than us either. What they can do is have a superior culture at a particular time, a superior value system at a particular time, but that's happened with everyone. Every group that you can name on the planet, and I can go through with them with anyone, all of them have had their rise to the top, and they've had a plummet to whatever level that they plummet to, and then they can come back again. Humans have the ability to exist at all of those levels. It's about which one do you choose to exist at. Mm. Great point. So, I want to bring you back in, um, in on the discussion here. Uh, why is it? Why is it that even with blacks breaking through various glass ceilings, and I hear Drew talking about the various advances and uh, the various accomplishments of um, past generation, why do you think that even with blacks breaking through various glass ceilings, many still see the need for blacks to develop their own businesses and industry and engage in commerce with one another? Why do you think that I mean, she can even exist to begin with? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, um, I mean, most of these guys, you know, like your Michael Jordans, I mean, you know, he's he owns not just a team, you know, but he still what has has a gym shoe and he's a brand. You know, there's there's it's not just reaching the mountaintop, but it's what you're going to do when you get up there. You know, so it's great to see that even while we're making these huge um, achievements and breaking the glass ceilings and becoming the first African Americans or adding more African Americans to a specific field, whether it's sports related or business related. The thing is, you want to be able to excel, you know, and that motivates. And when people see that, not only are you there, but the moves that you're making, it helps motivate people, 
you know, and especially when you see people of color, you know, especially with all the challenges and things that, you know, the stigmas that are placed on us, and when other young people get a chance to see you know, someone, you know, that ran for office and they may not have had a great, you know, background and they succeed, you know, now they're making things happen. That motivates people. That motivates people to want to do more. You know, that motivates that kid that pretty much was told maybe you never can, now you can. You know, so they are the examples, you know, and, and that's why I just find it so hard to believe that, you know, when people keep saying that, you know, uh, that there are no opportunities, there are. You know, even when I heard, you know, Andrew talk about, you know, our great past leaders, those who gave their lives and fought to create opportunities because those opportunities did not exist for us. You know, they laid their, down their lives, you know, so that we could have certain privileges and opportunities. And now that, you know, we're able to walk without being lynched, you know, what are we doing with those opportunities? You know, are are we really, really, you know, taking education, a free education, whether it's the greatest or not, it's free, and what you do with it after high school is your choice. But to be able to go to school, get your high school diploma, to be able to go to college, to have financial aid, assistance for school, to have scholarships, I mean, you've got a lot of historically black colleges that have funding. There's no reason why, you know, when people say that education isn't available, it's available. And you can achieve and do whatever you want to do. The question is, do you want to do it? Because the choice at the end of the day is yours, and you determine what path you want to walk on. Many want to walk on a path that's traveled by many, but many choose to take the path that's less, less traveled. And that's the path that I think more people should start targeting on and stop focusing in other people's neighborhood and get their own house clean so that they can have a legacy and something positive to leave behind for their families. If you, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, um, Drew. I want to let you have final remarks here. We have roughly about uh, four minutes left in the discussion. I'm going to put that same question back to you. I read from an article earlier that talked about. I just read briefly from a subtitle, um, and it referred to, or it's, it's titled "From Alienation to Despair." So when we think about alienation and despair, and we look at where what where we are today, um, even right now, you look at our political, our economic and whatever achievement you can point to. Why is it that you think that blacks, uh, all of these various glass ceilings that have been broken, still see a need for blacks to develop their own businesses and industry and engage in commerce with one another? What do you think that whole thinking and thought process is all about? The thinking and uh, the thinking of that process, John, I want to be very clear about what I mentioned earlier because it may seem like I'm poo-pooing that. I'm certainly not. There is nothing wrong with entrepreneurs trying to be entrepreneurs, and it goes back to the opportunity piece. There's nothing wrong with people developing businesses. I salute that. I support it. I think it's phenomenal. But if you think that is the lynch key to open up the doors for the prosperity of a group, I'm saying that is flawed, that is that is the formula for, for failure, and, and if Charles Anderson doesn't know it, I feel sorry for him. And people who follow that line of thinking, I feel sorry for them because they're not doing any thinking and they don't have any historical perspective on anything. Anytime anyone believes that residential businesses are the key to the development and stopping of crime, I'm saying they need to put on a bigger thinking cap because that is not the answer. That is not the reason that you should stop pushing for entrepreneurship but what you want people to be able to understand is that it's not a cure. That is not a panacea for anything. All it is is promoting business. Business is phenomenal. I support business, but it does not solve the problem. Let's solve problems. And what does solve problems is what um, Shalanda has been intimating about all day. It's about individual development and initiative and drive to do better. When you do better, that makes it a greater opportunity for you to have some level of success, and that success builds upon itself. Again, if we want to go back to entrepreneurship in residential things, what Todd Anderson is talking about, at that level, no other group in the United States practices that either, unless they're forced to because of laws, what I discussed earlier. Most people work for other people. All groups of people, Italians, Polish, Irish, Jews, 
Gentiles, it doesn't matter. They work for other corporations. They don't work for people that look like them. So we that is we what you it. have to do. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for weighing in, Andrew. Solanda, I appreciate you for weighing in as well. Folks, we've had a very important conversation surrounding what must the African-American community do to be saved? Is business ownership and economic power the solution to stable families and the answer to violence? Join us each and every Sunday, 530-718-508-9533. Folks, remember to join us uh, 530 um, every Sunday. And remember, this hour has been brought to you by John Green, American Family Insurance. And for all of your insurance needs, questions, and concerns, Call me, 773-881-9555. Until next week.